Welcome, number 299 episode of Ask, where somebody had the guts to ask a sex question. You love those. And also, uh, how do I get my kids to start listening to me? <laughs> You're asking me that? We'll try it on this edition of Ask. All right, welcome once again to Ask. This is, I said, 299. We'll have our 300th episode coming up, but uh, enjoy this one in the meantime. And you can uh, remember, the only reason we've had this many episodes is because you ask questions. Just go to our website, cornerstonebv.org. Uh, there's a media page. You just click on that, and it drops down. You can hit Ask. And, Submit your question, don't have to leave your name. If you have questions, other people do have the same one, unless you're a maniac, which we still want your questions, so that's good. Um, first question, just very simple, to the point, love it. How do I get my kids to start listening to me? <laughs> I have no idea who asked that, so I honestly don't know how old your kids are. That's a, kind of important, right? Are we talking about a two-year-old or are we talking about a 20-year-old? Probably somewhere in between, my guess is preteen or teen. That's usually when we start asking that, but you never know. Um, and I would just say, first and foremost, see Miss Vicky. Uh, she's on our staff, Vicky J, and um, she works wonders. She's like the kid whisperer. But uh, you asked me, so I'll do my best. Um, so the, the the first thing to ask yourself is, um, are you to get your kids to listen to you? Are you listening to them? Um, not like this, thinking about how you're going to respond. But are you actually listening to them? And do they know you are? So what you do is you practice things like. Um, kind of repeating what they're saying. Am I really, you know, ask follow-up questions. Like, am I really hearing what you're saying? Or um, are you, you know, and, and so they know, hey, like they may not agree with my point or they may not understand what, you know, that they just, but at least they're, they're listening to me. Um, and then follow-up, right? If someone said, hey, this is gonna happen at school tomorrow, then the next day say, how did that go? And so when your kids actually think, well, mom and dad, dad actually listened to me, is that, Gonna mean they're gonna listen to you? Probably not, but it's at least gonna cause when you do other things and you try to get them to listen to you, you can say, listen, I listen to you, you need to listen to me, right? And now I also understand that um, you, when you ask this question, you're really saying, why don't they obey me, right? So, uh, you know, that's a whole different thing. They have to listen to you and then do what you say. And, and so I, I guess the first thing with that is you just, you have to be as measured and as calm as you can. Trust me. I've had those plenty of moments where calmness is not what I'm doing or what I'm about, but, but if you can be measured and calm and actually explain what you want them to do and why, um, that, that's, that's a, a huge, huge help. Um, and then really the only, the biggest, I should say, piece of advice with that that I could give you is follow up. It's critical. How you follow up with what you say. And that could mean rewards. So, hey, if you do this, we're going to do this. You know, we're going to go uh, we'll bring you to McDonald's if you clean your room. Or punishment. If you don't stop saying that word, this is going to happen. And I've seen so many parents, you're going to be in trouble, you're going to be in trouble, and then nothing ever happens. Like, that's just human nature. Your kid's not going to listen to you. Well, why should they? There's really nothing at stake, good or bad. And so, so that being said, first of all, be careful what you promise, whether it's good or bad. Right? Don't promise something that you can't do or promise a punishment that you're never going to carry out because it's too harsh or it's just something you know you can't. Make sure it's something that, you know, it puts, uh, puts something on the line, you know, so they hear it and they're like, okay, I'm going to be in real trouble or, oh, that'll be really awesome. And then you have to follow up. Regardless of the tears, regardless of the excuses, regardless of the promises of the follow up, because guess what? The next time you say, if you do that, well, they're gonna know. They may still disobey, believe me, I know, but they're gonna know. 
they're gonna know like if I do this the consequence is gonna be that and mom and dad aren't you know they love me but they're you know that their heart isn't melting for me right and so follow-up is just the big most critical thing that I've seen anyway um, anything beyond that ask an expert okay so speaking of expert here's a question on sex I'm just kidding I'm kidding all right is there any kind of sex that God sees as wrong in a marriage so of course we're talking about um, not outside of marriage, etc. So I'm glad you qualified that. Uh, and, and the answer, just to put it simply, is yes. And that is when um, there is something you're trying to force your husband or your wife to do sexually that is, causes them to feel uncomfortable, causes them to feel shame of some kind, brings back something from their past, whatever. There's lots of uh, reasons that, that one can feel that way. And it usually has to do with, with past things, sexually or not, abuse or all kinds of uh, self-esteem issues. And here's the reason I, I say that, is because sex, well, obviously, first and foremost, God gave us to procreate, right? To fill the earth with our beautiful children who don't listen to us. Uh, but he also gave it to us as a gift within the confines of marriage to do two things, all centered around intimacy. Intimacy is closeness. So it's, um, it, 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 you have all kinds of different relationships that have levels of closeness, right? You have parents, you have your children, you have your siblings, and you have your best friends, and then you have associates and people you kind of like, but you know, and, and, and so you have different degrees of intimacy and ways of showing it for those different relationships. God reserved the greatest amount of intimacy to be for one person. Um, if you are indeed to be married, that, that it would be your um, husband or your, your wife. And, and so sex is, only for that relationship because it's designed to be a physical expression of that, okay? So here's here's what it is. It, it, it is the expression of what you should already be feeling. So closeness as friends, closeness in just uh, other things that you're sharing, your time, your affection, your attention, you're listening to one another, you're enjoying one another in all kinds of other ways. And, and sex is just a physical way to show that closeness, that all those barriers are, are brought down. But it's also um, a way to foster further connection and intimacy. So uh, sex can create an even closer environment in all different areas of your life. Uh, especially, and, and this is a definite, uh, this isn't necessarily true in all cases, and I've seen it where it's reverse, but that's why sex can become a, a real issue or an argument in a marriage because husbands and wives often derive different things from sex, right? So typically a woman is already, needs to already be feeling intimacy, uh, friendship, closeness, right? That's why, you know, she wants to go out to dinner. She wants to, to feel like her husband is really paying attention to her. And then it's an expression of that. And whereas a husband often can sometimes be reverse in, in that um, he's not feeling very close to his wife, but physical sex can actually create intimacy in all those other areas. And that sometimes is why it breaks down, where a wife is like, listen, you know, you haven't even paid any attention to me all day because he hasn't felt close to her. But if sex happens, he probably will, or he should, right? If the marriage is a good one um, and vice versa. A husband's like, why do I have to go, you know, jump through all these hoops, like take a shower, uh, something like that. And, and, and really both, if both look at it and say, you know what, we, we meet in the middle here. And, and you'll find that the closeness in all different uh, parts of your your marriage will will grow. And, and so, get back to the question: it's it's wrong to do something that violates that intimacy just because of a physical way that, that you want to enjoy yourself. You, you're supposed to be giving yourself to your spouse 
and um, if something is uncomfortable, it needs to be communicated and you should not want to make your spouse uncomfortable in the very act that's supposed to be making them feel real close to you, if that makes sense. Okay, other than that, enjoy yourself. Okay, last question, uh, not very long, but uh, basically a little Bible study here. Can you please explain Deuteronomy 23, 21 to 23? Um, interesting question, because it really comes off of my sermon from this past weekend in Leviticus. But here's what that um, passage says. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. Talking about, in their culture, vows before God. God, I will do this. And, and sometimes it was an amount of money, or that you would um, promise a portion of your land, or a, one of your animals and your livestock. Uh, so something that's of value to you. You make a promise to God, and then later on, what this is saying is don't renege on that, right? Have it like we talked about this past weekend, have integrity. So what you do, who you are, backs up what you say, especially to God. Um, and so as we talked about, and I encourage you, if you haven't heard that message, I don't always do that, but if you really want to know more, I go into more detail of where it's the same situation given in Leviticus about oaths and promises, go back and listen to that because um, it, it's, it, it's uh, we don't do oaths the same way, but we definitely do things, you know, when we get married, when we uh, are baptized, when we make any kind of covenant to God, uh, baby dedication, those types of things, uh, you know, take it extremely seriously. Um, so what he's saying here isn't that it's not a sin if you didn't make a vow to God. He's saying it, if you didn't promise something to God, then obviously you don't have to do it. Uh, it, but if you did, you do. And that's really what, simply how it comes, what, what it comes down to. Um, all right, that's all I got. Remember to ask your questions on ask, uh, cornerstonebb.org, media page, drop down, you got it. We'll see you next week, or we'll see you this weekend at one of our three services. Love to have you. God bless.